0: One core component of almost any performance appraisal has to do with objective setting or with the definition of performance expectations, in most cases on an individual basis. Well, now here's the question. Let's assume all well-managed organizations define some sort of performance expectations. Could also be objectives or whatever. How will you handle this? Okay? I mean, the idea is reasonable. Companies want to achieve something, of course. Uh, Teams want to achieve something. Employees want to achieve something. And if you want to achieve something, you better be clear about what you want to achieve, right? So let me start a little bit with history here because that will guide us into a very interesting discussion that we're going to have here. And I would like to introduce... uh, A man, Robert McNamara, some of you might have heard of him. He was the uh, Secretary of Defense under John F. Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson, and he was uh, the major architect, you can say, of the Vietnam War. So... Why do I tell you this? Because Robert McNamara, he was a graduate of Harvard Business School, a very decent man, a very smart man, a very value driven man, a Christian, very charismatic, a patriot. He was not only the graduate of Harvard, he was uh, later the youngest assistant professor, Harvard ever had at that time. And uh, he later, in the age of 44, became the president of Ford Motor Company, the first president that was not from the Ford family. And he really brought Ford forward. By doing what? He implemented something that he probably had learned in the business school, which was management by objectives. Right? He said, companies need objectives. And Companies have to have priorities. Companies must have uh, uh, direction to go. And then we allocate resources. And then we implement a reporting structure. I mean, today would say, yes, that's normal management. But he he implemented exactly that. And he was incredibly successful. And later on, he was asked by John F. Kennedy to become the Secretary of Defense. And... um, Then he became responsible for the Vietnam War. And what he did in the Vietnam War was exactly the same as what he did at Ford. He implemented objectives and today we would say key performance indicators. So indicators that measure the progress and the success of whatever you do. So one indicator, for instance, was body count. Body count, how many enemies were killed on a daily basis, or body count ratio, how many enemies were killed com- uh, um, compared to um, soldiers of their own uh, combat troops. Okay? So, today he would have had this kind of war management cockpit sitting in the White House in Washington uh, managing a war based on clear objectives and clear numbers. So, here's the thing. The Vietnam War lasted around tw- twenty years. Twenty years. Around sixty thousand American soldiers were killed, uh, and many, many more civilian uh, in North Korea or South Korea. Hundreds of civilian. That war disturbed this country. It's a com- was a complete disaster. I mean. For, for all sides involved. For the United States, that was a complete disaster. And, and uh, not to mention for, for Vietnam, north and south. There is nothing good about this war. Nothing. Zero. Was a complete fail. A complete mistake. It was disastrous. By any means. And this disaster was managed by, as I said, a very smart, very decent, charismatic, value-driven, loving man. A loving father, a loving husband, a good person. And later on, uh, Robert McNamara wrote a book, uh, the title of the book, of, of, a book I really can recommend for everybody who's interested in history. The title of the book is In Retrospect, The Strategy and Lessons of Vietnam. And he really questions everything he did at that time. Now, here's the idea. While objectives and indicators might work incredibly well in one setting at Ford Motor Companies, they might do harm in a completely different setting. Now the question is, when we look at the business environment that we face today in times of digitization, a fast developing world, uh, uh, is it more like Vietnam or is it more like Ford Motor Company? Ford Motor Company was a very stable company. I mean, they were producing cars and a car was a car was a car was a car and it was a very static business. Yeah, They tried to improve the cars and the processes Constantly, right? But it was a different time, very predictable, and the market was endless, and varieties were, were really low. I mean, they produced always the same type of car, and in black, and in the beginning, at that time, uh, no more. But while Vietnam was full of, of uncertainty, full of um, surprises, full of developments that you could not predict and the administra- administration um in the United States they 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 believed in assumptions that later on turned out to be maybe not wrong but they were never questioned for instance one assumption if Vietnam will fall the entire western world will fall and will become um part of, uh, the, of the communism, they never questioned this. So, in today's business, most things are unpredictable, full of surprises, hard to be planned. And the question now is, does this old-style, traditional, well-working, management-by-objective obse- work in a context that is as it is today? That's that's the idea that I want to discuss with you. But before we do this, I would like to share with you some thoughts around objectives. I mean, objectives are a good way to reduce complexity. You need objectives. When you have objectives, then you you have something that that will focus you on on a few things that really matter the most, right? Um, so focus is one one thing, and. Um, it could be, and that might be a disadvantage, that, that, that objectives, when working well, they might distract you from other priorities. I mean, if, if let's think about the financial industry, <laughs> uh, what we had before the financial crisis, or maybe still. Uh, when, when the only objective was to increase revenue and to increase profit, you might lose sight on ethical standards. You might lose sight on overall purpose. So objectives can also distract. Because they, by, by, by setting your focus on one thing, you might lose sight on other things that still matter. Right? Um, when people have objectives on an individual basis, and I mean that's the idea very often with performance appraisal, it could happen that people focus on their own objectives only. Right? I mean, think about a football team, a, football te- a soccer team, yeah? and every individual has an uh, individual objective. And let's assume one player has the objective of uh, ball possession. Right? Um, you-, you can imagine what that would do to the team. The individual player would only focus on his individual um, objectives, and that could do harm to the team. And what we also see very often in strictly hierarchical, vertical organization is that when there is a CEO, when there is a senior executive, a manager who really sticks to a specific objective along with specific indicators, very often the teams underneath, they deliver on it. (laughs) And the motto very often is you get what you want. And for the executive... The, the idea is you might get what you measure. yeah. Uh, wh- whatever it takes, the number's going to be fine. And if the numbers are the only thing the executives look at, okay, we're going to make that happen. But please do not ask about all the damage that we might do to whomever by just focusing on this particular objective. Right? Um, we also know from many studies, and we're going to talk about this when it comes to variable pay, that when, when uh, objectives and the achievement of objectives is linked to variable pay, when people know that the more they achieve the objective, the more money they will have in their pocket afterwards, then they will do the easy way. Yeah? They will do whatever it takes to get the money, and we know that people are gonna do the easiest way. Uh, I know this also from my students very often. Students that only think about the crate when, for instance, writing a thesis, when, when their only objective is to have the best possible crate in the end, they will take a topic for their thesis which is as easy as possible. And they will do the thesis with a supervisor which is well known for giving good grades. But that might not be the best way for learning, okay? <laughs> the really good students that do not take care about their grades so much, they will pick a topic or they will work on a topic that they are really interested in and where they think they still can learn something, okay? So this is a kind of starter around objectives. Good idea objectives, Yeah, reasonable idea but objectives also can do harm. And this is one thing, to manage organizations through objectives. The other thing around objective is that we assume that objectives motivate. And here is this theory, goal-setting theory from Locke and Latham, uh, which says that the more difficult a goal, the higher is the performance. Right? And they used a very simple paradigm. I mean, imagine the following. There is one person A, and you tell one person A, take the ball, throw as far as you can. And you do the same with person B, throw the ball as far as you can. And now in the second round, you ask A, just do it again. Now you threw the ball 42 uh, meters or yards, I don't know, yeah? uh, now just throw it again. And s- person B, you tell, okay, you throw the ball 42 meters, now, how how far will you throw it now? So, in other terms, you ask B to define a goal, and then person B will say, "Oh, okay. Now I will throw it 44 meters, 45. Okay, so go ahead." And what we see always is that when people have a goal, they perform better. So B will throw the ball farther than A. So that is the idea based on a very simple paradigm, and that works. That works. Goals motivate. Also, for your life, hey, better have a goal. <laughs> really. Have a picture of your future. I mean, I don't want to be too too psychological now here, but but really, have an idea about where you want to be in three, three years. Write it down. Write it down. I mean, I do not necessarily talk about numbers. It's not about managing your life, but living a good life and, and, and have an idea about where you want to be in the future. Independent from whether this really going to turn out to be true but having a picture at least a vision an idea of your future that's going to motivate you really okay have goals and now over the process of 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 systematic research also Locke and Latham they have adapted their a goal setting theory and said, well, this relation between goal difficulty and performance is not always true. It, it, there are two factors that that mediate this this relation. And one factor is commitment. Uh, if people are not committed to that goal, then the goal difficulty has no effect on performance. So better make sure that people are committed to the goal. So the practical implication is also for performance appraisal. Never set goals, negotiate goals, or uh, commonly agree to goals. That's important. Even though we name it goal setting, it should never be a goal setting. It should be a goal agreement, because you want to have the commitment of the people. So that's one thing. The other thing is task complexity. And that's interesting. So it's not, it's not the case, and we know this from research, that goal difficulty will lead to performance. It's not always the case. This depends on task complexity. And if the task we're dealing with is very complex, very complex, uh, then this relation is weakened. I mean, the example I told you was throwing a ball. I mean, that's simple, right? That's simple. But creating a new business model, that might not be so simple. So, with complex tasks, this relation is weakened. And I will come to this now. Because, I mean, that should remind you about something we were talking about when talking about structural and cultural context. Uh, More specifically, we were talking about task certainty. I mean, task certainty is not necessarily equal to task complexity, but but it it might go along with that, right? So when and, and I, I told you there are two extreme types of tasks. One task is where the outcome is clear, where the way to 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 get the outcome is clear. So outcome and process is clear. The task is small, you do it over and over again, the same things, right? That was one task. The other task was a big task, maybe a complex task, where in the beginning you do not know the outcome and you do not know the way to get there. This is the way most of the listeners work, yeah? You work under uncertainty. Now, here's the idea. Where do goals really motivate the most? They motivate the most... With a simple task, but not with a complex task. And and we have to keep this in mind. That's interesting insight from industrial organizational psychology. But I would like to highlight something else here. Um, I mean, have you ever experienced an objective setting procedure with people who do repetitive tasks? Have you ever done an objective setting with a cashier? Have you ever done uh, objective setting with, let's say, a bus driver? It's interesting. I mean, I was talking to many managers in the last few years, and and they always report that those people, they find this procedure extremely ridiculous. Really, I mean, ridiculous. You talk to the cashier saying, Okay, Mrs. Cashier, Mr. Cashier, it's January, let's agree on objectives. (laughs) And then the cashier will say, Objectives? Which objectives? My objective is to do my job well. Okay, no, now we have to achieve something. What are the objectives? Hey, and after a while you will realize that these people don't have objectives. They have standards. The bus driver does not follow on objectives. They follow on standards. Being friendly, being in time, being whatever. But these these, these. Performance expectations do not belong only to this one single bus driver, but they do apply for all bus drivers in this company. You know, these are common standards. You see the difference? It's important. I, I, you very often, I mean, maybe that's different in your organization, but, but in most companies, when it comes to these kind of tasks, it's not about objectives, it's about standards. What does it mean to do a good job? And they don't change annually. They might change, of course, but, but, but not on an annual procedure. And with tasks which are completely uncertain, here objective setting is, is on a yearly basis. A long cycle is simply impossible. It's not possible. Really not. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, these tasks are defined this way. You do not know the outcome. That's why these tasks are so uncertain. So, but now, when you, uh, HR, you insist and say, but you have to define an objective. Then the people, maybe the software developers who are working on a piece of software, uh, when you ask them, what will you achieve in 12 months? He said, okay, I have some time, I have some budget, but, but really, I mean, yeah, I can't tell you. It's the nature of my work that I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And then you insist saying, but you have to define smart objectives. Smart meaning specific, measurable, um, attractive, realistic, time-bound. I mean, you know the rule. Yeah? They will hesitate. to say, Oh, that's difficult. Oh, I can't do this. What you might have here are not specific goals because it's simply not possible. What you might have is priority. Priority. And and these are not on individual level, they are very often on team level. Meaning, however that piece of software will look like in the end, this is a priority we definitely want to meet. Okay? So, be careful. Uh, I mean, in the last episode, I told you about the difference between praise, social feedback, and judgment. And this is another distinction which is key. There is a difference between objectives, standards, and priorities. Be clear. And whether or not you do something depends on the context. So here is it again, (laughs) you see. And so I recently was working with a company where we realized that the employees really do repetitive tasks, standard tasks. And we had teams of 20, 30 people which all do the same. It was a kind of a call center, a service organization. Um, It was not really a call center. But they did service and, and it was pretty repetitive and we realized that this classic objective setting did not work at all but uh, the company said we want to do something we we want that the people know what is a good job we want to have at least performance expectations so we came up with a very nice idea that worked incredibly well and um, what we did then just to give you a little bit an alternative you know was um the activity was that they shared definition of performance and quality standards. That's what they did. Yeah, They shared definition of performance and quality standards. And the question simply was, what does it mean to do a good job? And, and what are the five, seven criteria? And they did this always with an eye towards the relevant customers. What do they expect from us so they wrote this down right and the interesting thing is that for for the future we agreed that the responsibility for doing this lies completely in the team right and they define all the standards for themselves i mean isn't that a great idea in a school having the teachers all together asking the question what does it mean to be a good teacher wouldn't it be a great idea having truck drivers all together in asking the question, what does it mean to be a good truck driver? I mean, we can apply this for, for everything. And especially for repetitive tasks, that's a reasonable, reasonable thing you might do, which is way better than individual, uh, annual, objective setting. And the supervisor in that particular case just acts as a coach, right? Asking the people... Is that really reasonable, yeah, couldn't we do a little bit more, or could we do less? yeah, don't be too ambitious, let's start a little bit small, yeah, and these outcomes really belong to the team, and not to h r not to not to the executive board, and also in that particular case, it was really the team deciding upon when to do this. They did not say we do this every year. I mean, let's do this when it's necessary, but also the supervisor can request it, saying, "'Hey, guys, I think we should do another round with regards to our performance and quality standards, and when it comes to documentation, they did not use any system, <laughs> something like this. There was not even a form or something like this. They just used a a, a, a normal document brain. Right? <laughs> No tool, no template, nothing. Why you need that? right? And uh, they published that still in an internal wiki, in a kind of uh, intranet. That is a nice idea. You see? I mean, that could go on and on and on. I just wanted to show you uh, uh, I, um, an example. And when we translate this into strategic statements, as I love to do, um, you see a difference here. And the Classic strategic alignment of performance appraisal that goes like this Objectives are agreed regularly, in bracket, annually. This allows synchronization with other internal processes, which also follow a regular cycle. Okay? So, that's one thing. The other way of strategically aligning that thing is to say, no, 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 we think more in a demand oriented way. Performance expectations can always be defined if it appears to be appropriate for the respective partners, the employees, the team, the managers. Okay? And um, there is another alternative to objectives, which we name OKRs. You might have heard about this. Yeah, OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results, and they become really famous through uh, the legendary CEO of Intel, Andy Andy Croves. Uh, um, and um, what does this stand for? Um, the, the O, OKR, stands for... Um, top priorities for teams or entire organizations and they should not be measurable. Huh? They should not be measurable. For instance, at Intel, they had this objective, we kill Motorola. <laughs> very rude, right? very competitive. Uh, it's just a kind of overall priority. As I, as I earlier mentioned, nobody knew the exact outcome. But there is a priority. This is the way we want to Go right, objectives and the KR stands for key results, and they refer to interim outcomes on the way towards reaching the goals, the objectives on the individual and the group level. So, KRs, the key results, they 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 they, they serve like okay, what do we have to really achieve on short, ter- short term, on short cycle, what do we have to reach? In the in the, in the, in the next step, so so the O the objective they they, they are long term of course and, and very often very very generic, yeah. But the KRs the key results they they are uh, they 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 are supposed to be regular adapted even on short cycles. So it could happen that after a few weeks, the teams and the organization might say, okay, we have to change the KRs. So, you see, it's very adaptive and you would never stick to a KR for 12 months because the, 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 the process tells you that you have to do it like this. And the KRs always must be ambitious, always must be ambitious. Reaching 90% of the KR is excellent. And not like, as we see very often with objective setting as part of performance appraisal, where people always achieve 200%, 130% because their variable pay depends on it. right? And the interesting thing about KRs as part of OKRs is that all the KRs and all the related initiatives, the things you actually are doing, are transparent across the entire organization, across units and functions, so that everybody in the organization knows, look, this team will achieve this and this team will achieve this or at least has the plan to achieve this. And that's a different thing like, like with performance appraisal. Very, very often the outcomes are somehow hidden in a, in a system. So also a difference with OKRs to, to what we very often find in performance appraisal is that, I mean, that only works when the CEO really wants it. That's really part of the overall business operating system, also Google did apply this. the founders of google they they have adapted that system that was a real business thing and not a not an h r thing and and there is one thing that you also can can tell from this from this alternative is that um and I would like to put it again in terms of strategic statements it's not an individual thing, right. It's not that you say the following statement. You would never subscribe in that particular case the following statement. Objectives are agreed individually with each employee. This ensures personal commitment and clear responsibility. I mean, that sounds good still, right? That sounds good. No, but you would not say so. You would say the opposite. Performance is only achieved by whole teams. This is why performance expectations are only defined with teams as a whole. I mean, that's, again, a strategic decision. You want to work with objectives? Really? Is that something you want to do? You want to work with performance expectations? Okay, fine. So, now let's move to the third level, as I always say, and think about, okay, this way or that way? Make a decision. Yeah, It's tough, but you better make it. And... um, you know, let's move one thing further, further. I would like to add at least one, one more idea to this, which is crucial. In the classic working world, traditional, hierarchical, vertical, stable, I mentioned that already, the, the, the individual employees are committed to their managers, right? To their immediate supervisor. And that applies for every single employee the employees always look to the manager. And, and that's the idea behind classic performance appraisal. Okay? Saying, okay, here is John, the individual. And one time in the year, the manager has to sit together with John, thinking about, okay, John, what are you supposed to achieve in the next 12 months? And that sounds reasonable, okay? while as I told you, um, in a more agile setting, in a more connected setting, it's never about the individual. It's about the team. Okay, but there is one more thing. In an agile setting, the employees are not committed to their supervisor. They are committed to their colleagues and to their clients. So, this is interesting. So, when you think about performance expectations, when you think about performance quality standards, if you think about KRs, if you think about objectives, whatever it is, do you do this with an eye towards the customer or do you do this with an eye towards the next level in the hierarchy? And in the agile world, you always do it with an eye towards the client. Right? And that's, that's, a, that's a different story. So, to summarize this again, is it this way? The agreement of objectives always takes place with the next higher manager. He or she has the overview and bears the overall responsibility. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Vertical thinking. Or is it like this? Teams are primarily committed to their internal and external customers. They are therefore also used to define performance expectations. Hmm. Different story. You see it? Okay. That's interesting, right? <laughs> That's interesting. Performance, setting, performance, key results standards priorities you take home that whenever you want to do something in that direction you better have a look at the context and then you will come up with probably completely different strategic alignments and therefore to completely different practical solutions so thanks for listening and we see us in the next episode